the Mike Tomlin Game Day Podcast with Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. Okay, Coach, what'd you learn about your team in the first regular after the first regular season game? That they're capable of smiling in the face of adversity, uh, whether it's hostile environments, whether it's you know weighty moments in a close ball game. I just think you know I saw signs of it in team development because of the thoughtful situations we put them in, but you never really know. Um, until you get in those type of environments. It was good to see clear eyes, clarity of thought, uh, guys communicating, guys doing normal things in situations where they could be potentially helter-skelter. I just like the steely resolve collectively of the group in those moments. Uh, in your post-game comments last Sunday, you said, I'm not surprised by the fight. I knew they would fight. I found comfort in, I found comfort in that. I wasn't looking for comfort, but I found comfort in that I just saw enough of that during team development. What do you mean by fight? Just embracing the competition that defines our game, uh, and particularly our game at this level. You, you can't you can't turn down competition. You can't shy away from from it. We were in some weighty moments in that football game. How about the the, the four consecutive downs? Our defense has got our defense got stopped down there when it's first and goal on the one. Um, I saw that in team development during seven shots um, when we we were competing for you know quality dining that night um, on both sides of the ball. And so um, when they do it in stadium, it's just confirmation of some of the things that we've seen in development, and that's a good thing. Uh, a fight. Is that something every team you've coached here has had? You know, I think to varying degrees. And so um, when, I, when I'm talking about it, I would anticipate fight from them, certainly. Um, you could describe every professional team as having fight. Uh, you don't get here as individuals and, and ultimately a collective unless you're appropriately a fighter. But there's different differing degrees. And um, this group appears to be a group that has – um, extreme desire in that area, and it's a good thing. You reference seven shots. You reference quality dining, one of the perks you uh, dangled in training camp. Um, is that how you instill fight during team development? You know, I think that's how it's revealed. It can be nurtured and developed, if you will, or, or revealed, but I think they bring that with them. Uh, another thing you said after the game when you were asked about the performance of the offense was that I'll comb through it from an analysis standpoint on Tuesdays like I always do. Uh, what did you learn from that Tuesday video analysis? That we're moving in the right direction, and oftentimes um, those signs are subtle yet significant. Um, we had less negativity um, in our game than we did the first time we were in a hostile environment. And you know how hostile environments affect the potential of negativity for offenses. I thought we dealt with that. Um, I thought we were significantly less penalized than we were in Jacksonville. I think we had one offensive penalty, um, but it was significant. We got a holding call on a on a third and six that Mitch scrambled for a first down on. And so there's some lessons to be learned from 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 playing penalty free in that perspective. But we were much better in that area, and we was, and we made weighty plays in significant moments. Um, that third and one uh, play extension by Mitch hitting hitting Muth in the middle of the field. Crazy, significant, weighty moment. The one-hand catch by Deontay. You know, they made weighty plays in the significant moments. They minimized negativity. They minimized penalties. And to me, that's pushing the train down the track. Is negativity, you talking about loss of yardage? Yes. Whether it's running, running game or passing game. Um, I think we had one sack where Mitch scrambled out of bounds and didn't throw the ball away. I think we had a, um, one negative run that I can think of. Um, not nearly as much negativity in our in our attack. 
as it was in Jacksonville. And that's significant because when there's not negativity, then you're in better position to stay on schedule and have manageable possession downs and thus possess and move the ball. Uh, when you got negativity, when you got penalties, when you got lost yardage plays that puts you behind the sticks and in environments like that, man, you're not digging your way out of that well. And so it was a lot of positive things to draw from. Your philosophy all along in dealing with injured players uh, is and always has been next man up. But is that a realistic approach to take when the guy who is injured is the reigning defensive player of the year? It certainly is because we work as a collective. Sure, whoever replaces him is not going to be T.J. Watt, but as a collective, we still have an opportunity to be dominant. So what do I mean by that? Um, You reconfigure uh, your plan to accentuate your strengths and maybe minimize your, your negatives. And so your negatives and strengths may change. It's our job as coaches. Uh, when we got red paint, we paint our barn red. So we re- we'll redistribute significant responsibilities to capable men, and we'll step into this stadium, and we'll expect those guys to be collectively dominant uh, like we always do. So then it might be up to others, not just the guy who's in T.J. Watt's spot, uh, to pick it up. It, no, it, it, it definitively is going to be up to others. I'm not, I'm not going to ask Malik Weed to, to, to bear our flag, okay? It's probably going to be somebody that you would recognize like Cam Hayward or, or, or Mika Fitzpatrick, if you will. Uh, you also said after the game in Cincinnati that there's still work to be done, area, area, that there are areas in which the team can improve. But, but if you look at it the, in another way, is there anything positive that happened in Cincinnati that, carries out, that can carry over today against New England? I just think being in thick circumstances and delivering, I think there's positive growth from that. I think anytime you're up against it and you're able to, to see yourself out of it and be successful, I think we all grow individually and collectively in a positive way from that experience. Uh, during every pre-draft period, you spent some quality time in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Uh, what was your assessment of Mac Jones during that process when he was coming out for that draft? And not only that, um, you know, we were we were preparing ourselves for quarterback evals and giving that position the type of attention um, that we knew it would be needed. And, and so I had a good feel for him. Um, first of all, I, I liked his talents, his physical skill set, his mechanics. Uh, he had a really high floor mechanically. Uh, his ball security was excellent. Uh, his football intellect and all of that stuff was excellent. Um, really, really impressed by his demeanor, uh, his communication skills, his competitive spirit, um, the, the intangible things that, that are really valued and highlighted at that position. Uh, he appeared to have it all, um, not only in terms of his play and, and how he handled himself and his demeanor, um, but how he was viewed and respected within that group. Um, when you had a place like Alabama, man, that's that's a group of NFL dudes. I mean, you 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 know those guys. Those are guys that eventually comprise NFL locker rooms. And so, uh, the level of respect that he had among that group, I think, was telling and reflective of the respect that he quickly was able to earn in New England, uh, going to be an opening day starter as a rookie and things of that nature, supplanting Cam Newton. Nick Saban, the coach at Alabama, he's been there for a while, a lot of success. Um, you know, you would think, or at least I would think, that he would like certain uh, characteristics in certain positions on his team. Uh, are there characteristics for a Nick Saban Alabama quarterback, and does Mac Jones have any of them? You know, I don't have the answer to that. I just think that there, there's some there's some subtle yet significant differences in the in the college and professional game, and though, and so, um, you know, even if he does have a template or or a vision of what's appropriate. It might not be purely applicable to the professional game. Um, 
You know, the, the college game is a different game, um, you know. And so um, it's been cool to spend time talking to a lot of college coaches and see that the subtle differences in their agenda uh, and, and ours and even from a from a skill set perspective in terms of the things they value at a position like quarterback can be dramatically different. During the week leading up to this game, uh, Mitch Trubisky was talking about the offense maybe being more aggressive today against New England. Uh, what might that look like? You know, I think he was talking about in response to the, the turnovers. When you um, when you get turnovers, man, and you get the short field, uh, you got to have that killer instinct and 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 complement one another. And he was answering the question in that regard when he made that statement. But as often when you when you're dealing uh, with interviews and so forth, um, the, the the answer gets lost in translation sometimes, and it can be a totally different subject or story. And and he was talking specifically last week in response to when we we were getting the turnovers in Cincinnati. Um, We'll be aggressive. We're always going to have an aggressive posture. Uh, that's just ball at this level when you're playing and playing to win, and that's something we do. We don't play not to lose. We play and play to win. Besides the obvious, and that being the tackles, the takeaways, the other in-game measurables, what does Minka Fitzpatrick contribute that would qualify as a winning edge? Just being Minka, um, there's an intensity to his everyday presence uh, that rubs off on others, uh, other defenders, offensive players, linemen, um, he's just, he's a football guy. Um, he's a highly professional. He's, he's unbelievably committed. Um, he has a unique approach in terms of what he's willing to do. And so those are the things that these guys get to see uh, the six days a week when we're not in stadiums that, that produce what people see in stadiums. Did you see that in him when you were in Tuscaloosa, that uh, pre-draft process? No question. Um, no, no question. But again, uh, I was window shopping. I knew I hadn't lost enough games to have a horse in that race. Uh, but I was just interested in getting to know a maker Fitzpatrick. And so, um, had an opportunity to do that. And it's cool how life sometimes is, you know, 12, 13 months later or whatever. Um, he was on our team. Who's New England's key guy on defense? McCourty, no doubt. He's 35 years old. He's the active career interception leader. Um, he's a center fielder. He's a traffic cop. He's a hub of communication for all adjustments in terms of tying those things together on the back end. Their secondary is a catalyst for their defense. It always has been. They've always been opportunistic and fundamentally sound, and that's a guy that's been standing in the middle of it for a long, long time. If someone hasn't uh, seen a Bill Belichick team, what would you say that they could expect to see Sunday? You know, um, all three phases tied together in whatever ways he intends. There's no, you know, blueprint, if you will, but it will be coordinated. There will be coordinated in terms of a plan and attack, an attack in offense, defense, special teams. Last week in Miami, for example, they wanted to reduce the game. You could tell they were looking for a two-hour and 30-minute, eight- or nine-possession game just by the nature in which they were playing in all three phases, and that's what it was. Obviously, they came up on the short end of it, but you could see a style of play that they desired to play that day, and that's often the case when you're looking at Bill Belichick teams. You'll see and feel the coordinated effort in terms of how they intend to engineer victory on any particular Sunday. That's the Mike Tomlin Game Day Podcast. Subscribe and download new episodes every week and check out all of the other shows we have to offer on the Steelers Podcast Network that's available on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.